Great. Well, let's uh, gather back in. Great to have you. Especially if it's your first time, I'm Dan. I'm one of the leaders here, and it's really great to welcome you. So uh, we're starting this brand new preaching series today. We're calling it Getting Closer to Jesus. And uh, that's what we want to do over this next season. And as Chris has said, we, we just need to just readjust our body clock slightly. Are you ready for this? Because what happens normally at the end of the preaching is this, that uh, our flesh kind of slowly goes to sleep over the sort of 30 minutes or so that we uh, preach for. And then we rouse ourselves for that final song and we look forward to the coffee. Whereas we're going to have a little bit of extended time at the end of this message where we worship and receive from God and see what he wants to do among us in response to the preaching of his word. Uh, in Mark 16, it says that uh, the, 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 word, the preaching of the word was accompanied by signs following. And we're wanting in faith to just press into God and to believe that as we preach his word, he's going to break out in fresh ways among us. And uh, this is an exciting challenge for us as leaders. It's an exciting challenge for us as a community to do this. So uh, let's look to him in faith. There's a there's a verse that says that those who look to God are radiant. Their faces are never covered in shame. And it reminds me of when Moses went into the tent of meeting in Exodus. And he came out having met with God. And unknown to himself, his face was radiant with the glory of God. And people, people would say to him, Moses, turn down the brightness. And he'd have to put a cloth over his head while he talked to people because people couldn't look him in the face. Now... It was unknown to Moses. And you know, the work that God does in your life is sometimes unknown to you. Sometimes you don't see it in yourself, but other people do. Other people see the glory of God. So what's happening today over this next uh, few minutes is this, that God is beginning to transform us, shape us. He's already been doing it in the worship, and he's wanting his radiance to shine out of us to a world in need and to our church community around us. So uh, we're going to read from Luke chapter 5. And uh, it's, a, it's a miracle of Jesus. It's got to be one of the, the, the most fun miracles that I, I read of in the New Testament. Luke five seventeen to 26. One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. That was truly a remarkable encounter. I want to call this message, Friends Like These. Do you remember these guys? 
No, you don't, do you? Okay, right, fine. I, I thought this was a safe one to put up when the students and 20s were away. Because, do you remember Face, Cannibal, B.A. Baracus, these guys, the, the, they were the A-team. And they were the people that you called on when you were in trouble and you had no one else to call. And I love this uh, story today because it, it's about friendship. It's about friendship connecting us with God. And today, this is about you and your relationship with God. It's about you and this church, which is a community of friends. It's about you and your small group. And it's about you and your family. And how together we can help ourselves and allow God to help us into relationships that are helpful for us. So here's the number one friend in this passage. Friends like these, it's got to be Jesus. Jesus is the center of this thing. In fact, there's a phrase right at the middle of this whole miracle. You'd think it was just going to be another of the many, many miracles that you read about in Luke, but Jesus changes it. And he says, no, what this one is about is forgiveness. If you could put the verse up, Sean. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Wow. And everybody was up in arms about it. This was the most shocking thing about this whole episode, that Jesus claimed to be offering forgiveness. And he reaches out to this man he's never met before as far as we know. And I love that Jesus calls him friend. You know, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And this God, we know, isn't okay with sin. We know that he's not just, oh, you know what, do, your, do what you like, and everything's okay. In fact, we know if we read, even in the book of Genesis, some of you have been reading Genesis in, in the Bible in a year plan that we've been doing together as a church, which you could still join in with. Some of you will have read the, the, the horrific account of Noah, where this God who is slow to anger and rich in love becomes so so overwhelmed by the, the, the sense of sinfulness of mankind. He says, I must punish this because God is righteous and holy. Well, Jesus is the image of that God. Yet yeah, somebody pointed out at the end of the story of Noah, God puts a rainbow in the sky. It's the first time. And it looks like a warrior's bow, but it's pointing not down to earth. And God is saying, I'm not going to punish the earth again. He, he's pointing up into heaven. He's going to punish Jesus, who's going to come from heaven to earth for the sins of the world. And that enables Jesus on this occasion to look at this man. And he's fallen, he's failed, just like you and me. And Jesus says to him, you and your sins are forgiven. Jesus was the one who knew no sin but became sin for us. And he calls him friend. Do you know what it's like for God to call you friend? That's what he calls you today. In fact, if you read this same, uh, the same miracle in, in Mark chapter 2, it's in th three different Gospels, then Mark records it slightly differently. He says, Jesus looks at him and he says, Son, son, your sins are forgiven. And what does that mean? You think, well, did one of them get it wrong? No, I think this is what, what, what happened on this occasion. Jesus says, friend. Your sins are forgiven. And then everybody's up in arms because how dare he say that kind of thing. So Jesus says it again. And this time he says, son. You know, to be a friend of God 
is to be the son of God. To be the friend of God is to be reconciled to God. To be a friend of God is to be brought into his family and loved by him. And this man experienced that as in a gift in that moment. You know, forgiveness is a wonderful, wonderful thing. I don't know if you uh, follow the news much, but I, I came across this story. It was in the American news. And it was the story of a, of a woman who, age 16, her name was Sintoya Brown, and she was, a, uh, she was a teenager and she was a prostitute. And age 16, in an act of self-defense, she shot somebody. And it was a horrific story, and, and the, the, the law, the, the justice system in America didn't take account of any of that, and they threw the book at her, and they, they, they gave her a charge of first-degree murder, and they said, you're not entitled to parole until age 59. A horrific, long sentence, but she murdered somebody. And I came across this story because the, the governor of Tennessee decided in his remaining days of office to grant her clemency to grant her forgiveness, to say that she could go free after 14 years in prison. And he said something along the lines of, because of the transformation that has happened in her life, I'm willing to grant this clemency. And I thought, well, that sounds interesting. I love a story about life transformation. Don't you love those stories? I love it hearing about people who have changed. And I thought, well, this sounds interesting. So I started reading a bit more, and this was the statement that Sintoya Brown made as she was granted that pardon. She, she thanked the governor for his act of mercy in giving her a second chance. And then she thanked various other people who had helped her to get a degree and an education while she was in prison. But then this is the bit that got me because Jesus comes into the story. She says, I'm thankful for all the support, prayers and encouragement I've received We truly serve a God of second chances and new beginnings. The Lord has held my hand the whole time and I would never have made it without him. Let today be a testament to his saving grace. Thanks to my family, thankful to the lawyers and their staff. I love you all and will be forever grateful. With God's help, I'm committed to live the rest of my life helping others, especially young people. My hope is to help other young girls avoid ending up where I have been. Thank you. She knew what it was to be forgiven. Forgiveness transforms the human heart. It changes us to be forgiven. When when this Greek word for forgiveness, it means to send away or to dismiss. That's how God treats your sin. He sends it away. He dismisses the charge against us. In our world, we we usually wake up guilty because we've hit that snooze button too many times. Usually, we go to sleep feeling ashamed because we didn't love the world as we ought to have done. But do you know, there's a God who doesn't wrap you on the knuckles, but there's a God who puts his hand on your shoulder and he says, friend, your sins are forgiven. As a Christian, you can live a life free from guilt. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Martin Smith wrote the words to this song, maybe you've heard it. What a friend I found, closer than a brother. I felt your touch more intimate than lovers. What a hope I found, more faithful than a mother. It would break my heart to ever lose each other. Jesus, 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 friend forever. 
So Jesus is the friend. He's the friend at the heart of this story. But it would be remiss of us to to not notice some other friends in this story. Because this man is paralyzed, this one who receives forgiveness, he has no way of getting to Jesus. And this story in part is about this group of friends. Friends like these who bring their friend to Jesus. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. I love this story. I love these unnamed friends who love their other friends so much that they just want to get him in front of Jesus. Do you know that's what great friendship looks like? It's to get people that we love as close to Jesus as we can get them. That's the measure of love, to bring people to know the greatest of all loves that is found in Jesus. And don't we all need friends like that? Don't we all need that? We do. We, you and I just so badly need it. None of us are independent. None of us are so able and capable in our own right to say, you know what, I just don't need people. We need people to help us through the dark times, to help us through the times when we doubt, to help us through the times when we're stressed or prioritizing our time wrongly, or to help us when we're sick, to say, I'm going to help you draw close to Jesus. That's what these guys did. And the bit we don't totally know in this story is whether the man was a willing participant. In fact, I suspect he probably wasn't. Because Jesus saw them and he saw their faith. It didn't say he saw the, the, the man on the stretcher. So I just wonder if they just thought, they said to him, hey, we're going to Jesus. We just think it's going to be good for you. And sometimes we need that kind of loving firmness where people say to us, you know what, you, you need to be in church. I remember as a teenager, um, I, I, I used to sort of play the piano a bit for our school CU, but I, I was pretty decisive. I thought, I just want to step back a bit from this whole God thing, hang, hang out with my cool friends a bit more. But my CU teacher, he, he just kept saying, well, you, you, no, we need you to play the piano. <laughs> and, so, and I felt unable to say no. And he knew that, so he insisted that I come to see you to play the piano. And it kept me in. His firmness of friendship kept me in, and it stopped me moving away from God. You know, we need people to be firm with us sometimes in love. But here's the other thing. God wants you to be a friend like that. He wants you to be a friend like that to somebody else. One of the things that church is, is a community of people in relationship together. One of the things that small groups are, is communities of people who are moving deeper into friendship with one another. And small groups aren't so much meetings you attend, of course it is that, but it's the place where we say, well, who's not here? And has anybody followed them up? And, and we, whether you're a leader or not, you, you text people and you say, hey, miss you at small group, are you doing Okay. Small groups are communities that care. And what we find is when we find it hard to get to small group or we have a season of life where we, uh, where we don't commit, we, we find we hit some things and you think, well, who do I call on? I, I feel, you feel disconnected. It's so vital that we invest in small groups. I really want to encourage you to do that today, to try and make that work. I know it's a time commitment, and I know some of you are incredibly busy. 
But don't be too busy for friendships that change lives. Parents, don't give up on your children. Be the kind of parents like these men who, who just work diligently to keep bringing their friends into envi- to bring their uh, children into environments which will be good for them in their relationship with God. Here's the, the third thing about friends like these, that, that they seem to keep their personal love for Jesus alive. So when Jesus saw them, he saw their faith. There was something just refreshing about this group of guys that when asked what the best thing in the world would be for their friend, they said, oh, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus. I wonder if the love of Jesus is alive in your heart. You know, there's a narrative from the world coming at you every day. And it's saying things like this. It's saying, you know, God is bad. God is distant. God is irrelevant. God isn't loving. God is bigoted. God hates equality. And these things, these messages are coming at you subliminally all of the time. How much do we need as Christians to be immersing ourselves in these wonderful stories about Jesus that tell us he's none of those things. He's wonderful. No wonder they wanted to bring their friends to Jesus because they saw how wonderful he was. No doubt they spent every moment they could finding out about him, watching his miracles, seeing the love that he showed, listening to his teaching. Perhaps there's a fresh opportunity for you today to dig into scripture, to get into the Bible in a year plan, to, to carve out some time, perhaps this week, to get to know him better. You know, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hasn't changed. Here's the fourth thing about friends like these, that they have a bias to action. Good friends have a bias to action. They do something. And when they can't get in because there's too many Pharisees in the joint, they think we've got to find another way in. They persevere. And they start thinking, well... Let's take him in through the roof. Just, I'd be so proud if I was the friend who had that idea. Wouldn't that be great? That was my idea, to take the roof off the house to get my friend to Jesus. You know, the, the Bible has a word for bringing our stuff to Jesus, the things that concern us, the things that worry us, the things that we're bothered about, our burdens. It's called prayer. Prayer is the way we bring our stuff to Jesus for him to do something about. And this week I want to invite you uh, into the week of prayer that's been mentioned already. To sign up for an hour, which just goes like that in my experience. Like that. It sounds like a long thing. You might think, I could never do that. You really can. And to come for the half night of prayer next Friday evening. It's split up into different sections. We'll send out some timings in the weekly email. The first hour is going to be an hour of family prayer. So parents, you can bring your children and we'll have age-appropriate praying and an opportunity to pray for you and your family and your kids. Jesus used to hold children in his hands and pray for them to be blessed. We, we would love to do that as well, to help you pray for your children. And we'll have times when we're just going to be praying for God to make us a church for all, for all Edinburgh, where all of us are all in, where we're going to be praying for all of the gospel in word, works, and wonders, and we'll be praying for all of the nations. Now, we can't do any of this stuff without God's help. These are things that we carry as burdens until we bring them to Jesus. And we say, Jesus, we're plonking them at your feet because we need you to do something about them. 
come. Uh, somebody asked me, is, is there going to be fasting as well? You can fast if you want, but there's going to be loads of food available in the breaks. Because uh, I don't know about you, I need food when I pray. And there'll be bananas, there'll be um, biscuits, there'll be tea, coffee, all that you need to keep you cheered along as you pray. Here's the, the fifth thing. That friends like these live with a messy situation. What happens when you take a Middle Eastern roof off a house? Dust. Mess. This wasn't a surgical procedure to ensure that nobody got dirty below. This, was, this, this, would, have, this would have annoyed the Pharisees intensely. Their beautiful black garments covered in dust as people are taking the roof off the house. See, the life of faith is always going to be messy. And if you're going to be a great friend, then it's going to involve mess. And if you're going to follow Jesus, it's going to involve mess. Do you know there was a moment in this story where, and we don't know how long it lasted for, where everybody just looked a bit stupid. So the roof has come off, everybody's filthy, there's a paralyzed man hanging on a rope, and nobody knows if Jesus is going to do anything. There's hope, there's faith, but meanwhile there's a lot of mess. Now, we live in this kingdom that Jesus has inaugurated that is both now and it's not yet. Do you know what I mean by that? It's come, Jesus has come, salvation is available, forgiveness is possible. We pray for the sick and we say, God, this is your kingdom coming and we expect that God will heal. Does God always heal? No, he doesn't seem to always heal. Sometimes we see amazing miracles happen. Do we believe that one day he will wipe every tear from every eye and there'll be no more sickness or pain or death? Yeah, we, we do because the Bible says that. It says that's the kingdom that is coming. And one day we'll have that kingdom in its completeness. We don't have it now, we have it in part. It's an ever-increasing kingdom. Jesus said it's like a mustard seed that grows into the biggest of all trees. So that means this, there's going to be a lot of mess. A lot of mess when, when sometimes we pray for people and God doesn't answer our prayers as we hope. That doesn't kind of make us doubt because what it means is this, well, we're waiting for that kingdom to come. But neither does it make us passive because we're called to believe that his kingdom should come in greater and greater and greater measure. Should we pray for the sick? Yes, of course we should. But do we have a framework that if God doesn't heal, it's okay? Yes. Yes, we do. Because it's a kingdom that is now and not yet. In this life, we taste the powers of the age to come. Forgiveness, healing, and eternal life. Here's the final thing. And with this, I'll finish. Friends like these don't seek personal recognition, but are happy for Jesus to get the glory. Read the thing at the end of... It says, Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. 
They were filled with awe and said, we've seen remarkable things today. This is what happens when you're the friend of Jesus and a friend to others and part of a church that very un- it's very unlikely that anybody will say, wow, aren't you great? But in a healthy church, everybody will say, isn't God amazing? Isn't God amazing? The only person whose name we know from this story, you don't know the names of any of the Pharisees, you don't know the names of any of the friends, you don't even know the name of the guy who got healed and forgiven that day, but there's one name that you hear about in this story, and it's Jesus. And at the end of the story, people give praise and honour to God. If you want to be a great friend of God and of others, then don't make it about you. Make it about him. And there's a famous uh, parable that Jesus told about the sheep and the goats. And there's a group of people that are before him on judgment day. And he, and he says to them, well done. He says, well done, because when I was naked, you clothed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. When I was hungry, you fed me. And this group of disciples said, Really? I didn't know we did that. He says, yeah, you did. Well, whatever you did for the least of these people, you did for me. That's the response of friendship. It's not about me. It's just about doing whatever before me and being a friend to those in need.